This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England supporters podcast. Been a while since we've had a preview episode, but with the Qatar 2022 World Cup qualifiers coming up, it's time to do just that. We'll look closely at San Marino, Albania and Poland, our three opponents in this upcoming window. And as we always do, we'll speak with people that know a little more than I do. Gareth Southgate has also announced his squad too, so we'll take a look at that. But before that, just a quick mention of some of the previous episodes that you've been kind enough to listen to of late. There was the episode where I spoke with Mark Raven about his trip to France in 1997 to Le Tournoi, where England won a trophy on foreign soil. Yes, you heard that right, a trophy. And then there was the Kazakhstan 2009 episode where I spoke with Les Gasson and Dean Cornish, who told us all about that trip. Both went down really, really well. Both are available to listen to at threelinespodcast.com or your chosen podcast platform. And coming up in the not too distant future, I have some episodes where I've spoken with more England fans, plus also one with a former member of England's backroom staff. And of course, we'll have the review episode where we'll look back on this trio of games with our regular England bloggers. So let's crack on with this one. And with it being an international window, the Young Lions, they are in action Two. Now, Gareth last announced a squad on the 5th of November 2020 for the friendly against Ireland and the two Nations League games against Belgium and Iceland. Just over four months later, on the 18th of March, he announced his next one, a 26-man list. Now, there are seven changes since that last squad and two new faces. He's had plenty of time to cast his eye over plenty of players in that time. So who's impressed him? Full squad is as follows. Three goalkeepers, Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston of West Brom, Nick Pope, Burnley. Defenders, Ben Chilwell, Colour Cody, Eric Dyer, Rhys James, Harry Maguire, Tyrone Mings, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker. Midfielders, Jude Bellingham, Borussia Dortmund, Phil Foden, Jesse Lingard, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice and Southampton's James Ward-Prowse. And up front, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling and Ollie Watkins. Now I'm taking this squad from the official press release um, by the FA uh, and it's they that have put Bukayo Saka as a uh, upfront striker. I personally wouldn't. I think I'd have him probably more. I don't know. Where does he go? Left back, winger. I'm not sure I would have had him in the uh, in the strikers category, but nevertheless, uh, we move on. 
It's a squad that sees players from 15 different clubs. I know you like the stats. Manchester City have got four players in it. Manchester United got four. Chelsea three, West Ham two, Tottenham two, Villa two. Leeds, Southampton, Everton, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Wolves, West Brom and Burnley with one each. Interestingly, there's no players from Liverpool, none from Leicester either. But it's a squad with an average age of 25. And Carl Walker is the oldest player at 30 years old. And Jude Bellingham, should he play? Uh, the youngest at 17 years old. Uh, 450 caps between them and 77 goals between them. Now I'm recording this the day after the squad was announced. So highly likely that maybe one or two players may come in and out uh, before the games take place. But it's a squad that sees returns for John Stones, Luke Shaw and Jesse Lingard after a period of absence. John Stones last played in the 7-0 home win over Montenegro in 2019. Luke Shaw's last appearance came in the Nations League defeat to Spain back in 2018. You remember shortly after he'd returned from the World Cup. You may remember this game as it was the one where Shaw was knocked out cold after a collision with an opponent, and he had to be stretched off. The game was sort of stopped for about six or seven minutes, that one. And Jesse Lingard's last appearance came in the Nations League finals against Switzerland in 2019. So those two new faces are West Brom's Sam Johnston and Villa's Ollie Watkins. Johnston has represented England at under 16, 17, 19 and 20 age levels. He's 27 years old now uh, and actually turns 28 on the day of the San Marino game. Be a nice little present should he take to the field for that one. Uh, despite West Brom battling relegation from the Premier League, he's actually kept five clean sheets in 28 appearances this season. Ollie Watkins is 25. He's obviously been doing really well for Villa this season. He's never tasted international football before at any level. But he's certainly adapted to life at a higher level after working his way up the ladder, formerly of Exeter and Brentford. And last season, he was actually the EFL Player of the Year. Now, some of Gareth's regulars are out due to injury or form. Form being the reason for Trent Alexander-Arnold and Harry Winks, according to Southgate. Goalkeeper Jordan Pickford is out after picking up an abdominal muscle injury against Burnley recently. And with this, Gareth's hand has, I don't know, pretty much been forced now by picking an alternative trio of keepers. Liverpool's Jordan Henderson has been out for a period of time now after picking up a groin injury against Everton. That was back in February. Jack Grealish has also been out of a leg injury and Jaden Sancho of Dortmund picked up a muscle injury in a German Cup game recently. And speaking of Borussia Dortmund, Jude Bellingham back in the squad after coming on for 18 minutes against Ireland last November. He's back in the squad. However, with Germany's coronavirus travel and quarantine rules and restrictions, it seems unlikely he'll travel but he's picked as the rules, as Gareth pointed out, can change ever so quickly. And on the flip side, with Poland's Robert Lewandowski playing for Bayern Munich, he's in the same position. Uh, and the Polish FA have acknowledged that he won't be part of the team to play at Wembley. Interesting. Personally, I can see a whole mixture of starting 11s over these three games. 
With them all being squeezed into the space of seven days, Gareth, I'm sure, will have been nudged by the majority of the club managers to use them sparingly so they come back fit and ready for domestic competition. Not sure I entirely agree with all of the squad. A few there that raise a few eyebrows, but I've said before, Gareth has his favourites, as any manager does. Players who he feels he can trust on and off the field. Names like Consa, Wambasaka, Harvey Barnes and Bamford have been regularly mentioned. I think we have to take into consideration that after this international window, we only have two more scheduled matches against Romania and Austria before the Euros. You can't just go picking players on form one break, then change to the next, because in my eyes, that's pretty much a selection policy that we had back from the formation of the FA through to the 60s, in a time when we chose not to participate in World Cups. And look where that got us. Picking so many new players so soon before a major tournament, to me, doesn't make sense. And with the greatest of respect to San Marino, a new incoming player may have the game of his life against them and come unstuck against Poland. It's all about levels. Keep it settled. So first up is San Marino on Thursday the 25th of March when they visit Wembley for the third time. Our history against them is played 6-1-6, goals for 37, goals against just the one. Which of course is quite a famous one. As scored by David Galtieri back in 1993 after a mere 8.3 seconds. England in red, San Marino in blue. England needing to win by a seven-goal margin and hope that Poland can do them a favour in Poznan against Holland. I'm sure you're aware now of what's at stake. And Bacchocchi, number nine, picks the ball up straight away and San Marino launched the first attack. Oh, and a mistake by Stuart Pearce and San Marino have scored. I don't believe this. Stuart Pearce tried to pass the ball back to David Seaman. Galtieri, extraordinary start. Biancazzurri, numero 11, Gualtieri, San Marino che parte subito in avanti, c'è questo gol di Gualtieri. So San Marino kick off, remember that Holland on this very ground, oh it's a mistake by Pierce and humiliation here, Gualtieri. I was going to say that San Marino conceded a goal in the opening seconds against Holland. Well, it's England that have conceded a goal here. Phil Thompson, can you believe it? Gualtieri is the scorer. Uh, We last met away in 2015 in a 2016 European Championships qualifier, winning 5-0. I'd like to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Andrea Zoppis, the supporters' liaison officer for the San Marino Federation. Andrea, are you all right? Yeah, fine. Thank you, Russell, for the invitation to your podcast. No, you're more than welcome. Thank you for uh, for coming back. I know you're very busy. What with the uh, what with the game coming up? I mean, are, are you and the the people of San Marino excited for the start of this World Cup campaign? Yeah, yes, of course. It's always uh, exciting when we have to start a new a new group, especially now where uh, we have to to go to Wembley, an empty Wembley, but it's always Wembley. 
it's it's so unfortunate um yeah i mean how do you see it do you see that as a as a good way to start or possibly the the worst way to start uh both of them probably <laughs> uh, of course england is the most difficult uh, opposite of the opponents of the of the group but uh is very is very important to start in a in a stadium like Wembley against a great uh, country like a great national team like England. I mean, obviously, you mentioned it will be with no supporters. It's behind closed doors. With your with your job being supporters liaison manager, how how has that's obviously affected you in some way? Are you doing other jobs now? Yeah, yeah. Sport and Liaison Office is just uh, a part of my work for the Football Federation of San Marino, just a little part. Right. And so I have many other things to do. Like for, I work for the licensing office, uh, for the UEFA licensing uh, system, uh, for the FSGC, and also like uh, the uh, responsible of international uh, um, management again with uh, with from FIFA for summer in FA. right? And so SLO and DAO is a little part that uh, unfortunately uh, I uh, I have no not much to do for the next matches because uh, for uh, the two home matches against Hungary and Albania I I don't have many. Many work to do without supporters. Yeah, such a shame. I mean, yourself, are you are you able to make the trip to Wembley? Will you be there? No, no, no. Unfortunately, not because just the the team and the, and the staff strictly connect to the to the match. Right. Without supporters, I I don't have the possibility. Yeah, well, we'll wait wait for the next time. We're joined yeah, together yeah, for you I to will. come. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, go on, you, you mentioned the team. I, I haven't actually seen the squad yet. Is there any players that we should look out for? Mm, no, not at the moment. We don't have the, the squad, the okay. selected squad at the moment, because they are waiting for the uh, the COVID test before that. Right. After the COVID test, they communicate the, 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 the squad that uh, will leave San Marino for England. Okay, so, so just, I, I really don't know the <laughs> the the players and who uh, at the moment. Uh, I think that uh, everyone is available for the matches. Okay, well, just to, to let everyone know, we're talking on Monday the twenty second. Um, so I guess the squad will be uh, out sort of shortly afterwards, and the players yeah. will have had their their tests. Well, uh, fingers crossed for everyone um, being being on the good side of things there. Obviously, in the past, uh, we, we go back to 1993. I imagine David Gutierrez's goal is getting a little bit of um, media attention at the moment. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. He's <laughs> always uh, uh, under attention of uh, the world of football when uh, San Marino plays against uh, uh, England or uh, other uh, country of the Great Britain, like Scotland last year. Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he must enjoy the limelight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always uh, enjoy it. We also played a game against in the last uh, in the November 2019. We organized a, a match between uh, our uh, former national team players and uh, RE Zeros right. uh, the, in the pro, an English program. And yeah. uh, he played against uh, Seaman and 
the yeah, the funny a funny mess. <laughs> yeah, no, I I remember that. That was that was good. With the the, the game coming up, um, you're probably looking more points when you play the likes of Albania and um, Andorra. But what yeah. what would be a positive outcome from playing England? What sort of things would you you take away? Obviously, you'd like to win or, or get a draw. But what what would be positive to come away from it? Yeah, I think for two reasons it could be the first one is that uh, we uh, we encounter we match the the strongest team of the group as the first as first match, and for the first time, San Marino has to play three matches in um, very few days. Right, and this could be a, a good test to try to level the force and to choose the team for the. Other matches or two, okay. Because of, of course, our uh, main aim is to reach any points you in, inside the group, and probably Andorra is the uh, greatest occasion for that. Mm. And it could be a test to understand uh, how to organize the three matches uh, schedule in the here and in the future. Okay, so it's not not like taking it as like a training match but it's a chance to no, look no, at no of course not <laughs> no but a, an opportunity to really look at the players ahead of the other games within yeah, the group yeah exactly yeah. Um, just to understand how to uh, organize ourselves for the three matches but these are always a, a great uh, honor to play against the great nation like uh, England and other uh, other countries so never a training and uh, always a match of course, yeah. Perhaps my phrasing was a little bit wrong there, so I apologise. Um, <laughs> well, thank you very much um, for your time. And I think I mentioned when we last spoke that our games are, are almost like bookends. We start playing San Marino and then we finish the campaign together at the, the back yeah. end of November. So um, yeah. maybe in uh, maybe come towards... Um, November time we can speak again and, and hopefully things in the uh, in the world will seem a little bit more positive as well yeah yeah oh, oh, we all hope that finger crossed for uh, having all support as in summary I look forward to it and yes fingers crossed that I'll uh, make make the journey across there again looking forward yeah. to it <laughs> Andrea thank you very much for your time it's very much appreciated thank you Russell it's always a pleasure Now, Albania, we last met in 2001 in a World Cup qualifier. England won 2-0 in a game that was played at St. James's Park. And this was a game that followed the 5-1 victory over Germany. In total, we've only met four times. Uh, England won all four of them. But previously, when the two sides met, although not overshadowed, but certainly taking a piece of the limelight, was English actor, come comedian, Norman Wisdom. Sadly, Norman died in 2010, but younger listeners may not be aware of him. He was a popular TV figure in Albania during the communist era, in much the same way the likes of Benny Hill and Mr Bean have previously been in certain European countries. But back in 2001, he was actually visiting Tirana, which coincided with that game between the two sides. Apparently, his appearance at the England training ground overshadowed that of David Beckham. And then before the game, he appeared on the pitch wearing a half-and-half shirt 
which went down really well. And he then went on to do one of his trademark trips on his way out to the centre circle. You might want to YouTube that. Uh, and then the last time the sides met, as I say, in the return leg at St James's Park, he appeared again performing at half time. Were you there? Okay, I'd like to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Elton Kahila, um, who's joining us from New York, but he's uh, Albanian from birth. Elton, you all right? I'm all right. Thanks for us. Thanks for having me back on the show. No, no, you're more than welcome. Thanks for joining us again. Albanian born and bred, but now living in New York, uh, but you still got your finger on the on the football pulse. I do try to keep uh, to keep myself updated on everything that's going on in Albanian um, football. So obviously England take on Albania. It's on Sunday the 28th of March. Kickoff is six o'clock Albanian time, so I'm guessing that's five o'clock our time. And we've just been speaking off air there, or we're speaking now on the day after Gareth Southgate has announced his England squad, that as of the moment I can't see a uh, an Albanian squad being mentioned yet. Is this a, a normal thing? They leave it a little bit late? Uh, not, I wouldn't say it's typical. I think it's being announced later than usual. Uh, I think the Federation has been dealing with some issues on the home front too. They did put in a request with the government. I think it was yesterday when they tried to have uh, 30% capacity. So they wanted to have about 6,500 6, fans uh, in the stadium. You know, I mean, England coming to Albania, it's a pretty big, pretty big draw, you know. Mm. Uh, I'm sure the demand would be, you know, through the roof uh, for this game. And um, the government turned the, turned the request down. Right. Um, you know, as you know, like the, the, the whole of, all of Europe has been on, in lockdown uh, mode for quite some time. Albania has been in the same, same boat. I think there is, there is a political aspect to this because we have elections in about a, a little over a month, April 25th. And I think the government has been trying to sort of not allow any political gatherings at all. Okay. So I think they're, they're trying to basically hurt the opposition. <laughs> so uh, they're not allowing any any fans at the stadium because once you know once the you know 6,500 fans go into the stadium, that that they don't have an argument to you know use against the, the opposition to say, sure. hey, you can you know you can have a demonst- demonstration or you can have a you know. Uh, any sort of gathering. So uh, there's a political aspect to it. I don't think anything's going to change. So I think it will be, you know, the game will be placed in uh, uh, locked uh, locked doors. No, no yeah. fans allowed. Such a shame because having been to or been past that new ground, uh, was it? I think they call it, is it the Air Albania Stadium Correct. or somewhere? It's a fascinating ground. It's not the biggest, but it looks really nice, really smart. Uh, yet from the outside, you wouldn't know it's a... Uh, a football ground at all um, and it's just a shame that no one is going to be able to experience it inside the ground um, obviously no England fans traveling over there not able to go yeah it's just such a shame it's uh, yeah it's, uh, it's it's funny you bring that up because there was also like a huge political topic when the uh, new arena was built um, so the old grounds were built when the fascists invaded Albania in the 1940s that's when they started um building the, the old ground where the new ground is built on. And then the communists finished it in like 1945. So we had a really, really old uh, stadium, like national stadium. So the new go- the government built uh, this new stadium, the new grounds, I think in 2019. But it's like a, it's a mixed use building, right? So it's not just, you know, a football field. They also have uh, shops, uh, restaurants, bars, 
it's in a pretty exclusive area of the city. It's sort of like very close to posh areas of the town. Yeah. It's next to the um, our main university. So it's very, very, like very well situated. It was built with private funds. So obviously they wanted something in the return in return. So they built all these like shops and like it's been it's been it's been a bit of a problem. Uh, they also built a roof. So when they did that, they did not, I guess whoever built it, they did not account for you know sunlight, how it's going to affect the grass. So the as of last week, there's been like a big issue, a big uproar about the conditions of the field. Okay. It's not in, in a in a great uh, condition. And they're using this stadium for this new tournament, European tournament, the European Conference League or something like that. Okay. In addition to the Champions League and the European League, there's going to be a new European tournament. Kind of like the, back in the days, it was was an Intertotal Cup or something like that. Right. So the final will be played in, the first final of that tournament will be played in Albania. When's that? uh, I think it's, I would say, May of next year. Right. Okay. So they're preparing for that then, or they want Correct. to showcase that. Yeah. So like that. they want to. Yeah. So like having England play in Albania, they they want to showcase the stadium in a in a best light possible. Yeah. So uh, what they have been doing is they brought these like massive lights, and the field is under like sort of like you know um, artificial lights like twenty four seven. Right. And it looks like it's progressing quite nicely. So hopefully, you know, the conditions will be pretty pristine. Although I'm not a big fan of that, I'm like, let's play in the worst conditions possible, <laughs> so we don't give, you know, we don't give England a, a chance, especially the speedy, you know, forwards. <laughs> yeah, you want the advantage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it reminds me of the back in the day when Pep Guardiola, you know, complained about the size of the grass uh, when Barcelona would play in, you know, away away games in the Champions yeah. League. So I'm like, hey, let's use any any you know any advantage we can possibly out of it. But I, I think the federation is trying to showcase, you know, the stadium. And they're doing their best to, you know, have the have the conditions in, you know, in a pretty good shape. Yeah, no, fair and enough. I think it will be, yeah, it will be by next Sunday. Yeah, I mean, advantage-wise, getting off to a uh, a good start could be beneficial for Albania because before you play England, you play Andorra away, and then after you play England, uh, you're away to San Marino. So I mean, there's a good chance you can get some points on the door quite early, isn't there? Uh, you'd think so, but in our very <laughs> last home game against Andorra, we tied them. Oh really? Uh, two two. So I mean, we beat them away. So hopefully, we you know we get to beat them away again. Uh, I think if we can get any sort of result against England, it would be massive. Mm. In our last uh, European uh, qualifying, like for the 2016 European uh, campaign, we beat Portugal away one uh, zero, and that sort of like you know gave us a nice you know starting point, and uh, we ended up qualifying in the end. So any, I think. I don't think we're going to get a result, honestly, uh, against England, having seen them, you know, quite a few times. But hey, anything can happen in football. Exactly. Team-wise, so we don't know the the squad as yet. But the only player that I could find that maybe English supporters may be aware of is, and you maybe have to help me with the pronunciation, but a player called is it Armando Broja? Broja. Uh, who was actually born over here in Slough. He's on Chelsea's books, but I believe he's on loan to Vitesse Arnhem, I think. Yeah, Chelsea got a a habit of getting a lot of players and just farming them out everywhere. And and he is one of those those players. I mean, is there anyone else that maybe we should be looking out for that, that you could recommend? Yeah, so the the I guess the new, the, the the hottest prospect right now it's this uh, Swedish 
I'm not really sure if he's Swedish born, but he's he has Albanian family origins from North Macedonia. Okay. So I think he may have been born in Macedonia, North Macedonia, then moved to Switzerland at a very young age. So he has been called uh, pretty much by all of like the uh, Swiss youth teams, but he decided to make a switch and play for us. So I think he may be able, uh, he will be able to play against England. His name is uh, Nedim Bayrami. Right. He plays for Empoli in, in Serie B. Uh, and then in first place, but I think like he's like one of the hottest prospects in in uh, Swiss football right now. Okay. Uh, we have also been trying to, um, I guess, have a couple of more like foreign, like I mentioned earlier, foreign-born players to switch over to you know play for us. I, I kind of like Armando Broya, right? He was. Yep. Uh, he comes from a, a northern town in Albania, Skoda, which is like a I think one of the best like football traditions. Some of our best players have come out of there. Our captain is also born there. He plays for Napoli, uh, SAE Usai. He plays a uh, right back for uh, Napoli. So I think in addition to Broy, I think the other player to keep an eye out for would be this guy, assuming that he plays. Yeah. Defensive-wise, I think we're pretty solid. Like pretty much all of our all of our uh, defenders play in Serie A. We have a guy at Atalanta, Jim Shidi. We have um, a goalie plays for Lazio, although he lost his starting spot to Pepe Reina. Uh, but like in the goalie position and defensive wise, I think we're pretty strong. But I think we'd need a little bit more, you know, a little bit more talent up front. I think Broya will be one of those guys. I, I don't know how we're going to be able to, you know, deal with the speedy forwards uh, with the likes of Sterling and Sancho. Um, I don't know if Kane is going to play in this game, but I think in England has enough firepower up front to cause a lot of damage. Yeah. Well, living in New York, as you do, uh, obviously with a time difference, will you be able to watch the game somewhere suitable? Oh, I will definitely. So, like, we have a lot, of, like, we have a pretty large expat community in in, in, the, in New York, uh, yeah. in pretty much all of five boroughs. I will most likely end up watching it at, at one of these Albanian-owned uh, clubs where, you know, it's a lot of, like, people gather for, like, the national national games. Yeah. So the, there will be a pretty large crowd. I don't know, like, what this... We haven't dealt with watching games yet in these clubs uh, due to COVID. Yeah. But I know they're open. People go there, watch, like, whatever weekend games, Premier League. But they, ten- they, they, they do get some large crowds. I mean, when I say large, it's probably, you know, anywhere from, like, 50 to 100 people. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can all get back to uh, to watching football in a, uh, in a, in a pub environment or... or- even better watching it within the stadiums, but but until then we're going to have to just to watch it on the telly um, and be done with it like that. But hopefully it's a good game um, and and the best team wins, and then hopefully we can speak again come the uh, the return leg when uh, Albania come to England. Yeah, absolutely, I would love to. And if if things do open up, I'll, I'm definitely making the uh, trip to to England. Well, it's uh... it's one of my favorite 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 away trips. Uh, so. And I think we play in November, so hopefully there's not another, you know, wave. <laughs> Let, let's hope so. And yeah, if if it comes to it, let's uh, let's catch up. Well, absolutely. Yeah, if you end up being at the game, maybe we can grab a drink or uh, whatever it may be. Sounds good to me. England meet Poland at Wembley on their third World Cup qualifier, Wednesday 31st of March. 
Poland, uh, well, they would have previously played Hungary away and Andorra at home. And joining me for a chat about Poland is Christopher Lash, who currently is in Warsaw and can be found on Twitter at RightBankWarsaw. Christopher, you all right? Yeah, I'm not bad. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us again. I know we spoke briefly, what was it, just, just after Christmas, early New Year, I think, just to sort of see how the draw was, didn't we? Yeah, a little bit of a chat then. Uh, since then, um, I've only just found out that... Um, Poland, you've got a new manager. Yeah, uh, basically the the last coach, uh, again, difficult to pronounce, but Brzezinczyk, who's basically uh, Kubo Bashikovsky's uh, uncle, he he got sacked out of the blue. Um, And uh, he was under huge pressure in the Nation League games in the autumn, and everyone thought he'd be sacked then. And then suddenly, I can't remember exactly when it was, late January, early February, he got sacked and it was out of the blue. No No one expected it. Lots of people, it sort of took the sting out of it a little bit because uh, everyone thought it would happen in November, and it didn't. And then, uh, obviously, shocked even the kind of in-the-know journalists. And then they, uh, everyone was thinking, oh, who's it going to be? And, and quite quickly, they uh, decided on uh, Paula Sosa, the ex-Portuguese um, really good midfielder. And I think that uh, defender, I can't remember actually where he, where he plays, but he was in that great you know Portuguese team with, with Figo and all those. Yeah. And not that amazing a managerial pedigree, but he's done an okay job, I think, at a couple of clubs at Fiorentina. I think he was pretty good. And he was at Bordeaux. He's, he's not a bad coach, apparently, but, you know, I don't know that much about him. Yeah, know. I think I think Leicester fans may disagree. Oh, he, yes. had, <laughs> he had a bit of a time at Leicester, didn't he? He was, he was but 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 apparently, yeah, and that's, you're right. And apparently he um the the board really messed around with him. Apparently signed a player he didn't want and there was some kind of like mess there behind the scenes and uh, apparently it wasn't too bad. And then it was QPR. I think it was at QPR as well, wasn't it? Yeah. QPR Swansea uh, over here as well. Oh, and, yeah. There are all these kind of, yeah. But, but um, so the point is, is he's, he, you know, he's not really, really, really top quality, but then I suppose with international uh, coaches, you don't really get managers. don't really get the, the absolute best. Do you? Anymore. No. I was, what's the general feeling from the, from the Polish public? You know, again, people didn't like the previous coach. Everyone hated him. There was a huge amount of uh, sort of just sort of people sort of, you know, like lack of enthusiasm, stroke kind of uh, dislike of the last coach. So I think um, people were quite relieved when he was sacked, even though it was out of the blue. So it it didn't have the same kind of effect as it would have done if he'd have been sacked in November. But uh, sort of ready to see how he's going to do. I mean, you know, not not really. I don't. I don't think people have really have that great expectations for it. But you know, with someone like Lewandowski playing completely out of his skin, you know, you've always got that. Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> hopefully carry him through the first first couple of games. I mean, you'd imagine that you're going to be coming away with with six points, Hungary and Andorra, and then it's going to come to the uh, come to the England game at Wembley. He's announced his squad, which I mean, it appears that over in Poland they do things slightly different as to what, say, Gareth Southgate and the FA do here. He's he's picked a a larger squad that he then whittles down to his what twenty two. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's also because it's his first squad as the Polish coach. I think that he doesn't really know that much about you know. It's obviously probably not watched that much from some of the the, be- the better players like Zielinski and Lewandowski and. Mm. And others he probably knows pretty well, and a lot of it, a lot of um, Poland players play in um, in Italy. 
and he had a pretty good career in Italy um, and coached there as well. So I think he probably has his contacts there and watches the watches Syria a bit. But I think a lot of it's sort of a bit of an you know open book for him. He doesn't really know, and he's getting advice from various different people. He's been uh, even appearing at uh, some of the Polish league games and Polish cup games. Uh, the Polish league isn't particularly good standard, but he's been here, so he's been you know watching a lot and trying to probably catch up and uh, decided to appoint uh, sorry to you know to have a big squad. There's some quite young players in there as well from the Polish. Uh, I think there's a guy who plays for a team called Pogon Szczecin, which is a second league, but it's like a 17-year-old. So he's appointed a couple of like, a little bit like a Theo Walcott, you know, uh, in the day, just to sort of, just to, you know, see who that, you know, what he's like and, you know, give him a little bit of a kind of a positive feeling. Uh, So his squad that he's picked is whittled down to 22, I think, and there's some fair few familiar names that... uh, people in the UK or in England will recognise the likes of Fabianski at West Ham, Chesney at Villa, Bedanak at Southampton, Hellick, Barnsley. A fair few players there that are in, in this country. And Zelinski of Napoli, people will recognise. And obviously, Lewandowski, but uh, there's more to it than that because he may not be coming over here, will he? Yeah, I mean, it's a total mess, but like everything these days, really. Um <laughs> It, I mean, it's it's really confusing, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing is that three players might not be able to make it over, and that is they're talking about Lewandowski, Piontek, who's the one who's at AC Milan now. He's at uh, he's at Hertha Berlin, and uh, Milik, who's at Marseille, who's on loan at Marseille from Napoli. Those three are uh, in doubt because uh, basically because of the whole you know the English strain of the virus, uh, and also because Germany they're really really strict. Um, they don't want, uh, they think the players have to go back through and, and, you know, have to go to quarantine themselves for 10 or 12 days. Uh, but the problem is that Bayern, I think, have a, a game, I think they, a Champions League game right after the international break. So they really want Lewandowski for that game. Uh, and uh, I don't know, Hertha also don't want him to, 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 to miss the next game. I'm not necessarily sure what it is. Um, and for Milik, for the, he because he plays in France, League One, Liga, or whatever, they don't want uh, players to leave the European Union. Okay. Uh, so all three of those players, are, uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But and obviously those are you know three attacking main attackers for the national team. But I've just read, which is completely random. But basically, what happens is that they the German national team wants to get players back to. Um, to play in, uh, to play for for their national team from England, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they're playing in, in a town called I can't pronounce it, but Duisburg or these Duisburg. I don't know. Oh, how you yes. pronounce. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so what they did is the uh, the the lander in, in Duisburg have uh, or Nord, I think it's Nordrhein Westphal and whatever. They've they've uh, created this kind of little kind of um, I don't know loophole, which means that players who come to Germany to that lander to that you know region don't have to go through quarantine so because they want to have you know a gundagan and all the different kind of german players who are playing in england who can play in those national national team games germany national team games in that in that town yeah so they're saying that maybe what they might be able to do is get piontek <laughs> and Lewandowski to go back via dweeb <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh sorry yeah. it just so ridiculous, and then uh, and then for for Milik, I think it's the Secretary General of the Polish FA says that 
even though they've said that you can't play outside the European Union, you know, players can't leave the European Union. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he says that that's not a sort of a, a binding decision uh, and that they're waiting on political solutions, which means that what they want is that basically they want the German president of, you know, Angela Merkel and Macron to basically allow, you know, Milik, yeah. <laughs> Lewandowski and Piontek to come back. I mean, it's, it's totally great. It's ridiculous. But anyway, I mean, so, so it's something that we have to follow, really. I'm not sure if they're going to play. Um, I think they'll find a solution. These guys are superstars. I'm sure mm. they can find a way of, like, um, isolating them. Uh, it's it's all a bit all over the place. But, yeah. Just crazy how club football now is... I mean, club football has always sort of grown bigger than, than national football. But now it really is sort of club power, I think, now, isn't it? Yeah, but certainly. I mean, you know, it's you know, like it's also like you know, difficult to get. I think I was saying earlier on that, that it's difficult to get uh, to get really, really top quality managers to 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 yeah. come into the the national game, uh, which 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 obviously you know when when I was a kid, it wasn't that, that case. You could get that you could get the best managers. They just wanted to do it. Now they don't really. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a shame. I mean, if if Lewandowski doesn't play, um, I mean, are England favourites then? Yeah, I mean, I think England are favourites anyway. But I think that, to be honest, I can't see how he's not going to play. I'm sure they'll find a way to do it. And and if and if he can't play, then it re- really sort of makes the whole thing. The, sorry, the whole qualifying and talk. I mean, it's a bit silly. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think that um, you know, obviously, it's, Poland isn't just Lewandowski, but you know, if these kind of things are going, I don't know how it's affecting the rest. I mean, I'm not really following it. You know, other different international teams and seeing how it's working. But you know, I mean. You know, can you imagine if you were like you're at school and you know I don't know your your best player is I don't know caught on a bus in I don't know Stockport and you can't get to the match and you're like well I don't know they just closed down Stockport you can't get out or whatever I don't know a, a town in the south and and then you know I mean it's sort of a bit a bit unfair isn't it really? yeah it's not their their fault really I mean you know so I I I, I, I think that yeah I mean I think that he doesn't play that England favourites I think he does play England the favourites as well but. You know, it's the big, it's the big, uh, really, the two big games are England, Poland, really, in yeah. the group. So, you know, if one of the two games is without Lewandowski, it's sort of a bit, it's a bit silly, really, yeah. Yeah. and a bit of a shame, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've met nineteen times before, um, and the only one victory for Poland is is fairly famous. It came back in nineteen seventy three in a World Cup qualifier. I mean, do people still talk about that over there? A bit too much, really. It's a bit. It's, it's a bit of a broken record, um, but um, but um, I mean, mainly because uh, it, it it ushered in this, you know, wonderful sort of golden era of Polish football, um, and the fact that you know they came third in the World Cup in nineteen seventy four, and then you know qualified for four World Cups in a row and did really well in eighty uh, two as well. Came third, so I think it's it's partly because it's the start of the whole story. Of course, the start. The real start is obviously that match at Wembley with, you know, Tomaszewski making all those saves, you know, being a clown and all that stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really part of Polish folklore. I think if it was just like a little friendly, I don't think it would have mattered anywhere near as much as the fact that it was the beginning of that, that great era, you know. Yeah, Christopher, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about the game coming up and uh, go on, give us a quick prediction. I think England will win with or without Lewandowski. I think that if it's if Lewandowski's there, I think it'll be two-one. Uh, uh, if he's not there, probably two-nil. It's not very positive for Poland <laughs> side, but but I think that you know, uh, I think that Poland have got much better chance uh, 
in Poland, and I think that there's a good chance Poland will win them. But I, I can't see them getting a point in over in England. All right. Well, uh, well, let's talk again later on in the year, hopefully, when uh, when that return leg comes around. Yeah, definitely. No problem. Great stuff. Thank you to all our correspondents there, Andrea, Elton and Christopher. Hopefully we'll be speaking with them again later in the year when we all meet again. We've just got time to mention that the Young Lions are also in action. The under-21s begin their UEFA European Championships group stage games being played in Slovenia. They're all on Sky Sports. Remember, this is a tournament where the group stages are being played now and then the knockouts at the end of May, all because of COVID. Uh, But those games are England playing Group D against Switzerland on Thursday the 25th of March, 2pm. We then play Portugal Sunday 28th of March at 8 in the evening. And then Croatia Wednesday the 31st of March and that's a 5pm kickoff. As I say, they're all live on Sky Sports. Uh, the under-18s, they have an international match away to Wales on Monday the 29th of March. So there we have it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. As I mentioned at the top of the show, all previous episodes are available at 3lionspodcast.com, including that Kazakhstan one. And if you've liked what you've heard, why not tell your friends? Why not give it a review on the likes of iTunes? Plus, you can follow it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search 3 Lions Podcast. I'll be back very soon with the review episode, looking back on this window with some England bloggers. So stay subscribed for that. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'll catch you then. Take care. Stay safe. Cheers. <laughs>